Hi, and welcome to Off the Sidelines, your guide to getting into early stage investment. You've heard it before. The world needs a new generation of great companies, and goodness, we need your help. I'm Chris Wink, co-founder and CEO of Technically, and I got my bud, I got my pal, Ms. Abby Lee Moscone. Hello, Chris, and hello, <laughs> listeners. And I'm always, I'm always a little excited to say hi to everyone. You're so good at it. Thank you. Uh, for everyone listening, I am Abby Lee Moscone, your sweetly toned voice and co-host <laughs> of Off the Sidelines, here thanks to support from Project Entrepreneur, a program by UBS. Abby, do you know what today is? I do. It's the final episode of this what? pilot season of Off the Sidelines. Oh my goodness. So we better go out strong, Chris. Please don't blow this. <laughs> our careers essentially hinge on the next 20 minutes of our lives. Oh man. Wow. Well, uh, high stakes. No Fortunately, we, you know, technically we're a news organization. We like to deliver on deadline. So I'm glad to report that today we will be listening into an insightful conversation I had with this investor. Hi, I'm Tracy Chadwell. I'm the founding partner of 1843 Capital. 1843 is an early stage venture capital fund. This was such a great conversation. Tracy is quite impressive. She has over 19 years experience in venture capital and private equity. And in addition to 1843, she has six years of experience investing in early stage companies with a female founder through her personal entity, Coyote Capital. I love that name. Tracy was partner of a growth capital fund, Baker Capital, which had more than $1 billion under management. She's an attorney, and I love this. Tracy speaks conversational Japanese and restaurant French. Restaurant French. Hmm. Un croissant. She's also quite patient, I can add, because boy, did I have a technical fail or three with this interview. Uh, am I supposed to make a joke about how you run a tech news no. site? <laughs> no, you are not. You are better than that, Abby. I'm not better than that. That's a good But point. fine, fine. Let's get started. So in our final episode, we wanted to get right to the meat of the issue, which was what the heck would you tell someone if they wanted to get into early stage investing? You know, the entire point of this podcast series. Mm -hmm. I asked her that first, and here's what Tracy said. So I think, first of all, we talk about what are their goals? Is is the goal to, to uh, achieve above market returns? Is the goal to get involved and start a career in venture capital? Is the goal to you know have some fun and hang out with some startups? So we first want to assess where the person is in their journey, and then uh, start to talk about uh, different directions to head in. Um, if somebody is looking for above market returns, um, the best bet truly is to invest in a venture capital fund because then you have professionals at the helm, people who are well networked and well versed in this space. You know, one of the things that that uh, I've seen over the course of my journey is just this acceleration, literally, of startups in the space. And there's so many more competitors than there ever used to be. And this is due to accelerators, right? So you have all these accelerator groups that are building what um, sometimes I refer to as, you know, entrepreneur bots, which are uh, <laughs> people who come out of business school and they say, I just want to make a billion dollars and I'd like to start a company that'll do that. So I'm going to pick a, a space with a large market opportunity and go for it. Well, um, I spend a lot of time going through the weeds trying to figure out who's real and who isn't. And if you're not in the space every single day, or if you don't have some specialized knowledge, that's hard. Also too, generally speaking, angel investors get in at the seed stage and uh, seed stage companies fail 90% of the time 
So your, your hit ratio, you know, if you only do two or three of them, I always recommend for seed investors, you know, it can be interesting. It can be profitable. Do at least 10 deals. So let's say right. you have a hundred thousand dollars, split it up and say, look, I'm going to put 10,000 into each deal because then you're diversified. Um, you know, the people like myself that do it as a profession, we very often have companies that go bankrupt, um, sometimes for reasons we can predict and sometimes for reasons we can't. And <laughs> so we have to have a diversified portfolio. So I highly recommend, um, and even individual person to do, to do at least 10 deals, you know, maybe even 15, but then also to do them in spaces that you truly understand and that you're well networked because then you have a competitive advantage and maybe you can even help the company a bit. There's got to be a uh, someone who's out there saying we are, you know, a decade plus into into an economic expansion post recession. We had low interest rates, so a ton of capital flooded into um, to early stage investing. Funds bloated. We, you know, M and A was re replaced R and D, and so we're one reason why we're seeing these big giant private market companies before they ever go public. We are way too late, and you're foolish if you're only now trying to get into investing in early stage companies. Yeah. Someone pushes you on that, you know, what is your response? I think you are absolutely right up until the point where you said early stage companies. So mm. I think if you're, you're getting into growth stage companies, those are wildly overvalued. Um, one of the interesting places about the place that we play, we've chosen to invest at Series A and Series B, which is technically called early stage, because that's a point where you meet that intersection of reduced risk, but still a lot of upside. You know, 78% of venture-backed exits are through M&A. So we, we're not, I mean, yes, we, IPOs are great. Everybody loves them. They're sexy. But bread and butter of the venture capital business is M&A either to a financial buyer or a strategic buyer. So we're looking for those companies that are falling under the median acquisition price, which amazingly enough is uh, $56 million. So if you mm. get an evaluation that's lower than that, and that you also have eliminated some of your downside risk by investing in companies that um, you know have some traction, that can show you who their customers are, that have a few metrics. You can really optimize your your uh, being in the right place for an above market return. We've seen over the last decade the stretching of 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 the definition of seed investing. Um, sure. You know we hear you know seed states pre-seed, super-seed. Oh my gosh, um, seed extension. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. Does that like kind of seem quite natural? And then obviously, I, I have heard people who 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 have pushed back against Series A and certainly Series B still being in a category of of early stage. Is that growth? Just talk a little bit about um, you know, it's just inevitably the, these kinds of terms will always evolve. And and if sure. you are interested in getting investing, you just you know you're always going to have some vocabulary shifting a bit. Right. Um, do you think it's particularly fast changing now, or does it feel like the the, the norm of of the sector? Well, I think, you know, the, the advent of technology has also helped investors because they have more information and more access to more deals. So you're seeing people do direct investing and then going out and raising their own funds. You know, 50%, not in dollar, but number of the funds raised last year were seed stage funds to the tune of $9 billion. So you have a tremendous number of, and a lot of, a lot of times these are people who are great operators, who have uh, an interest in making investments into companies. You have all these seed stage funds that are looking to invest in these incredibly risky spaces. And I think what 
they thought would happen was the natural progression to, you know, more of an institutional uh, early stage venture fund. And there's just too many of them. There's just too many of these companies out there that have been funded. So in order to keep these companies alive, they'll, they're going to do the, you know, the post seed, the seed extension, and, and you're getting a lot of the seed stage funds coming together um, to create syndicates to keep these companies going to where they can make those metrics so that where they become attractive to a Series A investor. Um, to, to, to move on to some of the, the like the, the talking points, right? I think that you've kind of seen in how you're trying to, the framework you're building for the world, one of the phrases that had caught our attention was the, the skill set of the ask, which yeah. kind of felt very resonant to us. Maybe share a little bit about, that's something you, you talk often about, you know, what, what is your, your definition of the skill set of the ask and, and why sure. should other investors or aspiring investors kind of understand it? So uh, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is the fact that that women have only accessed 2% of venture capital dollars. And while we are not a gender lens focused fund, um, obviously, we believe that diverse teams have a, have a chance to be more creative, cooperative, and ultimately more profitable. Um, the, the ability to ask, this is something that is really good for anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a, a woman asking for venture capital investment or if you are someone asking for a raise or someone trying to get a job. Um, I, I think I like to break it down and make it more skills-based because I think mm. that takes some of the fear out of it. And so I, I broke it down into what's called uh, three no's to a yes, which is um, know who you're talking to. And I think that this one is really, this is really the incredible thing that a lot of times people have no idea, you know, they don't do any research. They, you know, a lot of people pitch me as a, a seed stage uh, deal and, and don't right. realize till we get to the end of the conversation that I only do series A and then they get mad that right. they've sort of quote unquote wasted their hour, which uh, I feel frustrated about because, um, you know, it takes a lot for me to want to schedule a meeting right. with someone. So, um, so, so you really have to know who you're talking to, you know, that they have the interest and the ability to do exactly what it is that you're asking for. So then the, the second no, um, is, is know who you are and know what your value proposition is. Because I think a lot of the times when people are asking, they're forgetting, they're talking to a person and you need to actually establish a, a relationship with the person, but then also be bring something to the table. It can't just be demands. You know, one of the things that really frustrates me is when people say, can I pick your brain? First of all, I hate the idea of my, brain, of my brain being sliced open and then someone picking at it with a fork. Um, yeah. the, just the visuals are bad. But then also too, that idea that, hey, I just want to sit down and and get something from you with no suggestion yes. that maybe it could be mutually cooperative. So, um, so I think you really have to know what you're bringing to the table and say, Hey, look, this isn't just a, something I'm getting from you, but you're going to get something too. When I was raising my first fund, uh, I remember being sort of frustrated and saying, Oh, I just can't go ask again. And, and actually my husband was great. And he said, you're not asking for someone to pay your rent, Tracy. You're giving them an opportunity, and you need yeah. to reframe it that way and think about the opportunity that you're presenting, which was which was outstanding advice. So, um, and then the third one, obviously, is all about persistence, which is that no doesn't mean no. Right at that, it's no for that exact thing for what you're asking for at that exact time. So, if you change the frame of it, if you've learned a little bit about someone, because you've talk to them and ask them what they're interested in investing in, and then come back and maybe match their metrics later, it might, it might turn into a yes. Mm. I'm thinking about that conversation you might have with that, that 
friend of yours who might be getting interested in getting into investing and sure. uh, I, I know each investor has their own approach to this, but are, are there like small red flags, particularly, you know, you're at series A stage, so as you said, a lot's been de-risked, but I still have to imagine um, that there are elements that you think are important for you that, that would be a red flag. Are there any that you think uh, are transferable to other investors? You might say this is something that, that you might, might want to make sure you're certain about. Um, any red flags that you would recommend others look out for too? Sure. Uh, one of the first ones is, is really, it's all about people. And so if you talk to the person and you get a sense that they don't really understand the space that they've chosen to invest in, that they're only looking to be in the space to make a lot of money, that they're not well networked. I think that's a huge red flag for us. Um, another red flag for us is, wow, if they've raised too much money, you know, um, I see uh, a lot of companies that come and they say, oh, I've, ra I've already raised $25 million, but now we're looking to raise two more million in additional capital. I'm like, whoa, how, if you didn't make it on that much before, how do you think this next 2 million is really going to push you over the edge? You know, so, so that's a huge red flag. I think if you don't have experience in hardware, I mean, obviously if someone came out of Fitbit and they're looking to do uh, the next wearable device to invest in that, that's one thing. But I think for the general public, getting into anything that's hardware-based or, you know, large infrastructure that needs a lot of capital, because then what's going to get caught, you're going to get caught in the funding rounds and right. they're going to have to yep. raise huge tranches and you get way diluted. So those are be the three big ones that I'd watch out for. Love that. So in conclusion, you've been at this now. You, you mentioned the, the career steps you've taken to get here. Yeah. Uh, the inevitable question of, is there something that you wish you knew when you were first starting that you, you now would pass on to someone else who's looking at starting themselves? So starting a venture capital fund or starting investing? I think starting investing. When you were first yeah. looking at whether you do angel deals, are there some of those lessons that were hard-earned that you think others might be able to pick up? Yeah, absolutely. When I first started investing on my own balance sheet, uh, it wasn't with a fund in design. It was things I wanted to see in the world. And I made some science-based investments that are binary. And I think that that is mm. incredibly different. You know, it, it's really different, difficult to do molecular science deals. I think you have to have incredibly specialized knowledge, even, even if it does look like the company can turn water into fuel to replace oil. <laughs> I, I, I think you got to be very wary of that stuff because they they fail more often than not. So in that sense, you wish you knew heck like the binary deals. Either I have to be so know, have so much insider knowledge that I feel pretty good about what the binary answer is going to be, yeah, or absolutely. not be involved at all. No question, that. it's too difficult. Beautiful. At, le at least with software, you know, you could probably either always sell the tech or a lot of times, the, you know, the acquires. So if you have right. engineers on the team, you might get a little money back with molecular science deals. Nada. Just That's this. interesting. Yeah. So uh, any last question that I should have asked you to make sure that the next time someone says, hey, can I pick your brain about how to get involved <laughs> investing, that you would point to that, them to, to, this, to this link? What's something that you would want to make sure you, you got to say here for them to, to hear? Um. I think that no matter what I said, if this is something that you are really passionate about and what you're really interested in doing, I think I think you should always pursue what your passion is. So go for it. That's so great to go out on. Thank you so much for making the time for this conversation. Of course, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. 
she does an excellent bit of balancing there. Like, be extremely cautious, know all the pitfalls, understand this probably isn't going to be a great financial outcome, or at least at the beginning, but hey, do it if you want to do it. And that's the theme of the series. Angel investing, early stage investing, however you do it, it's got to be something you want to do for, for learning and for making impact, just not just a financial return, particularly in the beginning. It's illiquid. Your funds are going to be locked away. And as you've heard time and time again, you have a really high rate of getting it wrong. Right. And if you want to go into it just for the financial return, you might as well just go get a financial advisor. This is a journey. This is a journey, ALM, much like this first inaugural pilot season of Off the Sidelines. It sure has been. We got to go, though. This is go. the final episode of the first season of Off the Sidelines, an investor education podcast. If you have a question you want answered, tweet us at technical underscore LY or me at Christopher Wink. Episodes are produced by John Myers with production support by Sam, Sambo Last Blood, Markowitz. Thank you so much to our partners and supporters at Project Entrepreneur for making this series possible. Project Entrepreneur is a program by UBS, and we wouldn't be here without them. And am I allowed to make a personal shout-out to Jamie Sears at UBS? She, as an individual, has been a really thoughtful and genuine partner for the last year as we were developing this concept. Her teammates Gail D'Souza and Echo Sukumato have had from the very beginning a perspective on wanting to add something new to the discourse around entrepreneurship. And I think this conversation around how investors can become better investors is a really powerful one. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can do that, but I say go for it. What are, what are the <laughs> rules anyways? <laughs> because they have been delights and we wouldn't be here without them. Music in this episode was by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, to, everyone. We hope to see you soon.